Hey, 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 closet busters and bold move makers. It is time once again for Life Uncloset. So I want you to gather around because it is time once again to kick down those closet doors of your life. We're here to escape our BS, explore our fears, and elevate our self-expression. I'm your host, Rick Clemens. I'm the bold move expert and that coming out guy who's going to take you to the party, the pulpit, the wake, and back to the party of living your life uncloset. So come on along with me and grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step into facing your fears, making your bold moves, and living life without apologies. Now let's get to the show. Hey, 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 Life Uncloseted family. It is time once again for Life Uncloseted, the podcast where we explore people's coming out stories, whether you're coming out of the closet about your sexuality, you're coming out of the closet to say, I'm going to go do the thing I most want to do in life and everybody else thinks you're crazy. Or it could be that you're simply just coming out of the closet to say, I am done. I'm going to go start my own business. But of course, we always come back to our roots about what this podcast was started. And that was about coming out stories about those of us who come out of the closet because of our sexual orientation or gender identity. And a lot of times those stories come from spaces where... We might just be a big old Baptist, a big old Seventh-day Adventist, a big old Catholic, and we just happen to be big old gays as well. And when I saw this book by our guest today, I'm like, we have to have him on the show because, uh, you know, hey, in this day and age, church scandals are happening all over the place. They've been all throughout the whole season of our political woes and everything. And now here we are close to the Christmas season. And I just thought, you know what? Let's bring it home. Let's have some candid conversations about what it's like to be a big old Baptist and a big old gay. And welcome to the podcast, Dr. Tim Selig. And we're going to talk about your book, man. So um, it's it's all your show. I just kind of shut the fuck up now and you go. So there you have it. (laughs) Well, now I know what kind of language I'm allowed to use. Yes, exactly. So So. my favorite word, you've already used it. You stole it. Yeah. Um, Thanks so much. for. Of course, man. Of course. And to know that um, you and I have experienced so much of the same life journey, Uh, you know, Baptists, Southern Baptists are not that far from Seventh-day Adventists-ish. Right, exactly. (laughs) They're both cults. So, um, you know, we can just start there and, and they both brainwash you. And, um, and then, you know, the 12 step program of recovery is at least 24 or 36 because you have to rinse the feet over. It just won't let go. It's the gift yeah. that keeps on giving. Yep. And, uh, yep. and that's what we're here to talk about. I'm yep. so excited. Me too. Me too. And this is such perfect timing because this one, we we will have just, as Tim and I are actually recording this, we are just a week away from election. When this comes out, we'll be deep in the heart of the holiday season. So we can play with so many things in right. this conversation today about right. everything gay and life and all that sort of stuff. So um, we'll be doing some hypotheticals that exactly airs in the middle of the holidays. We even have a president named. Right. Yeah. That won't, won't that be interesting. So, yeah. um, but see, then I just feel like if we don't, then the gays should just take over the world and then they can really like, you know, chop us down because they really will think we're like, we're taking over the world. So yeah. there you go. We could but, start our own island and that would make them happy. Exactly. So, exactly. Uh, they would throw bon voyage parties for us, and which would be also fine for us. Absolutely. So, so, yeah. so let's kind of roll back. You were always just Mr. Heterosexual. And then one day the switch flipped and suddenly you're like, oh no, I'm gay. But I know that's not Correct. true, right? Yes, yeah, okay. a- absolutely. Right. I was um, just as straight as they come. 
Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And all that happens is we walk in a room, we see a light switch, and we're like, oh, I wonder what this does. And we flip it, and suddenly, oh, I get it. I'm gay. It's so, a great choice for me. Yeah. That's a great preference. Let's use that word. Yes. Um, this, um, <clears throat> yes. Miss Amy. Yeah, so, Ms. Amy. so um, yeah, I was, I did the thing and I did what my parents who were both professional Southern Baptists, um, both of them worked, each of them 30 years at South, Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Fort Worth. And I did what they wanted me to do, which my brother and I did, and that was to scale the heights of the Southern Baptist world. And our name was Selig, obviously, and they knew every preacher boy and minister of music that came through the seminary for over 30 years. So my coming out was, um, it was big, and I was the minister of music, associate minister of music at First Baptist Church of Houston, which had 22,000 members when I came flinging out of that closet. And, you know, as I've said before, the, the veneer is pretty thin. Mm -hmm. And even what, when we're in the closet, we think we're doing a good job. We keep adding a veneer, we add layers to try and, and not be caught or not be um, noticed. And we do all those things even so far as to be on the wrong side of this conversation as to be, yeah, yeah, those gays yeah. are bad. Yeah, yeah, buddy, those gays, they, they suck. <laughs> and actually that is true. Yes, so, is. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, wife and two children, just like you and uh, up in the church and it just got worse and worse. And I, I know you, I know you know how that is. And um, through a series of Christian counselors, which are well documented in the book, um, I just kept going to Christian counselors. I just don't know why, but I did. And um, through that series, uh, I was outed to my wife by our Christian counselor. And then she outed me to the church and the pastor and all our family. So for me, um, the coming out process was really quick. The Band-Aid got ripped. And because of my parents who were all up in the Southern Baptist Convention, it spread like wildfire. Mm. The good thing about that was um, there were horrific things because everything was taken away. Uh, all Just all taken away. That was the horrific part. The good part about that was I didn't have to live in fear about who knew. Like, oh dear, now does Wanda Jean know? Well, I'm gonna have to. So you have a series of coming outs that that just lead to fear. Mm -hmm. And sometimes debilitating as many of you know and will remember. So I didn't have that, um, but because it came so quickly, and um, I was, over the next year, it, it continued. I mean, it just kept coming. Again, the gift that kept on giving. Yep, yep. And um, so it took, a, it took a year uh, for me to find my way. And um, my children were taken away for a period of time and uh, lost all, all worldly possessions mm -hmm. were taken away. And um, yeah, so there I, there I was in Houston, Texas, thinking, now, now what am I going to do? So I was a Kelly girl, and some of you youngsters don't know what that is. That's a yep. temp. And um, I would go to these these eight temp agencies like a battery company, like auto battery company. Mm -hmm. you know, like, okay, well, not what, not what we thought we were going to get, but sit down and start typing. So I did that for uh, nine months <clears throat> when, lo and behold, I found out there was such a thing as a gay men's chorus had no clue how would i know so um there was a gay men's chorus in dallas texas and they were looking for a conductor and they 
were broke, dysfunctional, codependent. And I was like, oh my gosh, match made in heaven. Yep. Where's the application? And I applied thinking I would uh, conduct them for a year. And I stayed there 20 years. Mm -hmm. And yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Found my home, as I say, waving at the gaze. Exactly. And you know, it's interesting as you were talking through that because there is so much of this that gets replicated over and over and over again, regardless of whether it's, okay, this is what happened in my coming out. And, and then suddenly somebody like completely outs you. So then that, that plays out this way for most people, or there's like, okay, I'm taking my little small steps to come out. Well, then that plays a certain way. It's so interesting to hear this. And I know for my listeners, if they've listened over and over again, they're like, okay, so, yeah, this is kind of how it goes. There's always going to be some repeating patterns to this, but Definitely. there's also the very unique pieces to it as well. You know, um, not not everybody gets to be a Kelly girl, but in no. our own ways, there's that fear of, okay, well, what am I going to do for a living? If I'm like completely Correct. like thrown out, don't know if my employer, you know, when I came out, I was very lucky that my employer was very open-minded Actually, there was probably the highest percentage of LGBTQ employees in a company in Orange County, California. We probably could have got the wow. poster child for being the most yeah. rainbow friendly company. But it was because many of us came from the hospitality industry, not to call out a stereotype, but just saying it. That's kind of what we find. Right. And it's just it's interesting to hear you say some of those things, because I was like, yep, check mark. Yep. Check mark. Yep. Okay. Check mark. You know, and. Sometimes that to me, quite honestly, Tim, is what I feel like with this podcast and when, we, when you and I get to do these kind of conversations, that can be as comforting to some people as anything like, okay, so I've heard this. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So the, the few years before the, the, the coming out, um, you know, they were, they were dismal and my wife and I were fighting, arguing and, and she didn't know why. And of course it was because I was, I didn't have the, the capability of providing her emotional support that she needed. That was on me. And we always look for ways out. And I certainly had pondered that, I, that the world would be better without me. Mm -hmm. I never you know, bought a gun or got the pills, but I had many, many dark, dark times when I thought my children would be better off. Everybody would be better off. Yep. What I say to people in the in the closet, and I, I love now for 34 years, I've been conducting gay and lesbian choruses, and I've counseled with hundreds of people who've come out and those who are not out yet. And one of the things I, I love to say is don't borrow trouble from the future. So mm -hmm. we imagine, oh, we want to borrow. This is what's going to happen. Oh, it's going to be so bad. You know, grandpa may die if he finds out I'm a lesbian. And the truth of the matter is no one's really ever died from receiving that news that we know of. Right. Somebody out there in, in podcast land may write us and tell us, oh, it happened to me. Um, but, you know, I, I imagined the worst and it all happened. And it was the best thing that ever happened to me. And the the day that I packed my car and left home and went to a Motel 6 in 1986 when they actually cost about $6, and that's about what it was worth. Um, mm -hmm. I got there that night and knew that everything was going to tumble. And I had the deepest sense of peace because I understood for the first time what living an authentic life was. Everyone knew the truth. 
They had nothing they could hold over me. They couldn't hang anything over my head. Oh, we're going to tell somebody you're gay. Yeah, well, somebody did that already. So it was it was really um, it was an amazing night and a few weeks that followed until the the shit show began. And then that you know that was really rough. But it is interesting to hear that because one of similar to you, what I say to a lot of my clients is fear is only as alive as we give it life. Yes. And the more we give it life, the bigger it's going to get, yeah, you know, but that. the thing is, is none of it is based in any truth until it actually happens. Yeah. You, you don't know that grandpa's going to die and have a heart attack. You don't no. know that somebody's going to hate you until they say, okay, I, I fucking hate you. Yeah. You know, then you have something to work with, but by then, well, now you know how they feel. Yep. So now what do you get to do with it? The fear is yep. gone at that point, you know? I agree. Yeah. And it is unfortunate that we still live in a world that seems to be on the precipice of maybe it'll get worse. Maybe it'll get better um, where we have to fear saying, this is who I am. Yeah. This is how I show up. In fact, I'm coaching a new client right now who's, trying to figure out who he is. And he, he left me a message on um, my voicemail today or my text. Can you just make sure that you delete all these messages so that, you know, down the road, and it's like, A, who's going to see him, number one. <laughs> B, it's between you and me. I'm as confident, conf, you know, my confidentiality is as tight as a therapist. I, I There's nothing I'm going to do. It's not like, hey, listen, this is my newest client. You know, yeah, it's, right. you know, yeah. yes, I'm sharing it here, but I'm not saying who it is or any of that stuff. Sure. But it's so sad that we have to live in that kind of frame of mind of, I don't want anybody to figure this out, yeah. which is painful. I mean, you already alluded to it. The pain of hiding was actually almost more painful for me than coming out. Absolutely. I wrote an op-ed about a month ago um, about my how I felt empathy for Jerry Falwell Jr. And people were like, what? How could you? And I said, because I know what the fear of people finding out mm-hmm. feels like. And the minute he and her, his wife had the three-way with the pool boy, from that minute on, he was afraid. And living with that, like, you'd think, oh, it's not going to come out. and But in the back, you go, yeah, somebody's going to find out. And you live with that fear. I mean, his departure from the church came with a $10 million bonus. Right. Mine did not come with that. It didn't even pay for the Motel 6. So exactly. That's where it but, differs. But don't you, I know for me, and this is one of my pet peeves, it was, the, yes, the fear was there, but I was, I was more concerned of the hypocrisy that I was going to be dealt than, Hey, you're gay. I did not want anybody to call me a hypocrite. And that was when it hurt the most. It's like, you lied. You're I'm like, well, not exactly because I did try to tell some people about this and they said, no, you're going to go have this little lovely counseling done. That's going to heal you for life. Right. Right. And so now when I get charged, which is pretty frequently these days, it isn't that people say you're going to go to hell because you're gay. It's the same people who turn around and their hypocrisy shines so bright on something else that they claim is in the Bible. Yeah, That's right. what pushes my button. Yeah. No hypocrisy kidding. will always be the higher. It's, it's the ace card to me of if you throw me shade of hypocrisy, I have no time for you. Yeah, right. Well, you know, I, 
I lived a lie mm-hmm. for 35 years. Yep. However, I did not lie. No one ever asked me. Right. No one, no one ever asked, are you gay? So I did not lie to anyone. Um, but I lived a lie and the yes. things that I, the things that I did, uh, led me to be not authentic. And, yeah. I, and I keep, I keep coming back to authentic self. And I promise you, regardless of what situation you're in, if you're not living your authentic self, you will not be a success. You won't be happy. You, uh, can't, you can't know the fullness that's out there waiting for you when you just say, okay, I'm going to be me. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a great thing. Yeah. Another one of my guests, um, her name is 80 and she was married to a gay man and, and, and was involved in a cult. So as long as we're going to talk a little bit about the cults and he never did come out, he, he was definitely gay and, and she ended up like having an affair and like, Oh, okay. So this is what real Dick feels like. And right. man, he really wants you. Right. <laughs> and, um, she has this beautiful saying that she put in her book and I love it. It's like, it wasn't my fault, but it was my responsibility. Oh, nice. And yeah. I love that because that when she said it the first time, I was like, I actually stopped the podcast because I'm like, okay, I just need to take that in because that actually really, it's like what I've been trying to land on for years, like how I can explain this. Because it wasn't my fault that I hid in the closet because everybody said, go hide in the closet. And even though they didn't say those exact words, it's like, no, you're straight. You're supposed to do this and da, da, da. So that part wasn't really my fault. It was my responsibility that I went there and it was my responsibility that I stayed there. And it was also my responsibility when I came out, but I don't think people realize the impact that society has and the fault they cause to keep people in the closet. Oh boy. Yeah, no, no, it's way, way bigger and more pervasive than anybody could really describe. And, um, you know, here in San Francisco, it's better but we still have uh, groups from the gay men's chorus that go out to the high schools and you can't believe how scared those kids are. Mm-hmm. Um, just because they live in San Francisco does not mean mm-hmm. that their family is gonna join PFLAG mm-hmm. at any given time. No. And then of course, you know, across the South, it's a lot different. Yep. And each one of those pieces of the journey is where I feel like voices like what we're sharing and talking about today is really where it helps people realize you can be this and you can be this and you can be this, but being gay is just another part of who you are. It is. It's, uh, it's that simple. My, uh, my parents, when I, when I came out and, and I do things big and the choruses I've had now, the San Francisco gay men's chorus, they're huge. And right. I like it that way because they taught me that in the church, because hello, I was at a huge church. That's what I was used to. Right. But, um, after I came out in the newspapers and now I've written this book and all this, my parents who are now past, but, uh, they would say, why do you have to talk about it all the time? Why can't you just go be gay, quiet, gay? And I said, so mom and dad, tell me, uh, tell me something. What is the most important day of your lives? And I was hoping they would say, well, the day you were born, but they right. didn't. <laughs> and then, you know, you might expect they would say, oh, the day we got married. But of course not. Each of them said the most important day of my life was when I accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And every day after that has been different. And I said, Exactly. It's exactly like the day I came out because Mm -hmm. every day after that has been different. This was not uh, accepted well 
Right. They, <laughs> they were not really fond of me uh, talking about their conversion experience as my Damascus Road conversion experience. Yep. That was e not equally, but far greater in power mm -hmm. and change than theirs. And um, I've always, I, I've always returned to that uh, for for people that are are Christian or have had Christian background. Is yeah, you you've had a life change before this next one, you know, yeah. you get the fun after this right. one. Yeah. But it is interesting to think about it. And I, that's a great example of my brand is all about living your unapologetic life. And, you know, life uncloseted is just, as I said, at the beginning of the show, it's, it's a piece of what are all these closet stories. And it's interesting that you brought that up because I actually challenged somebody, well, a few somebody's along the way. <laughs> Like, okay, so you're really proud of your Christianity. So you chose that, right? You, that's actually something you chose. Mm -hmm. But your heterosexuality, you're just kind of quiet about. And you didn't choose that, right? Well, no. Well, I didn't choose to be gay either. <laughs> yeah. So you really want to play this game? Because I can play it and I can play it really, really well. Sure. Because yeah. it's this interesting thing that as soon as they feel like it's something, it's a choice, then yes, let's celebrate this, right? Yeah. Yep. It but is. as soon as it's something that's just part of who you are, then it's like no big deal. Yeah. But yet you want to choose to celebrate your Christianity or you want to choose to celebrate this or to celebrate that. So I'm supposed to put my sexuality in that same bucket. That isn't the way it works. Right. Even yeah. though I, I will be the first to admit, yes, I, I, was, I took my time getting here. Yeah, no but I took my time getting here because I was told I couldn't be here exactly until I finally grabbed myself by the balls and said, screw that. This is who I am. And if you don't like it, that's just the way it is. Yeah. Uh, you, then you go deal with that with your therapist. I'm dealing with it with mine and we'll all get along. Right. Yeah. So, so I'm is. curious, though, as you've worked with all because you've worked with a lot of <laughs> you've been around a lot of gay men having done all yeah. the courses and stuff. I'm just curious. Do you not still see the wounding? in the man oh my goodness um the if our chorus we have 300 singers in our chorus and each year as we do auditions once a year it gets younger and there are a lot of things that go along with that as we yeah. started to fill some seats with gen z folks right there are a lot of things that go along with that but one commonality is except for i'm gonna say less than 10 percent um, coming out was difficult on multiple levels and that the wound is there of, it doesn't matter if, if, you know, mom and dad, you said I'm gay and they said, let's go to brunch. Some of those did. However, there is still that, um, perceived, you perceive the disappointment right. in their voices in their, what they had hoped for is not going to happen, whether they said it or not. And, um, so yes, we are, we carry a lot of baggage with us. And one of the greatest ways that I have found now for 34 years is of unloading and unpacking that baggage is through music and through community of that kind of community where you come in and you sing about your wounds right. and uh, it's really healing. It's always interesting to me to talk to someone like you who's involved in these other aspects of the community because I always get this question, like I'm getting, actually I'm having, I'm running one of my men's groups this evening. And I just know somebody tonight will say, well, 
I just, I just can't meet gay men. I'm like, really? <laughs> let me list the ways besides the apps, but let me list yep. the ways because you're right. Community is so important. And everybody thinks community means going to the bar. No, that's one avenue. Sure. Maybe it's going to a pride. Well, that's one avenue that's sure. But I think sometimes we wound ourselves as gay men, not saying the lesbians don't too, but we're gay men. So that's what we're going to focus on here today. We wound ourselves because we've been told that if this is who you are, then you must isolate and be alone and be lonely. Right. And suddenly that carries with us. So we're bringing and unpacking, as you said, Tim, that we're unpacking some of this, that even when you step into something like the gay men's chorus, you, you found the opening, but man, I can only imagine that some of the guys that participate, they have such a hard time even opening up in that realm because they're afraid of being hurt, rejected, judged, whatever it is yeah right. what a beautiful space to just be yourself it is I, I think that um everybody in your men's group should at least certainly go go listen or become a supporter of a gay men's chorus but or sing in one mm -hmm. uh, there's nothing quite like the experience of having been in the closet whatever level maybe you sang in church choir most people sang most people sing somewhere or school or right whatever and and they like singing for the most part and then you come in a room where you can be exactly who you are and sing uh it pretty much most most people at their first rehearsal cry yep. because it just feels so good and yes i am um i'm the conductor but oh boy that takes a back seat to all of these men for whom i am friend pastor counselor daddy yep. um sometimes i'm the school principal which doesn't right. go over well or or somebody um you know they they put on me i can't believe you didn't choose me for a solo it's just like back in dodgeball i'm like girl yes i can't i can't be responsible that you did not get chosen for chosen dodgeball. for dodgeball exactly and you don't really sing very well so there you right, go right 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 <laughs> we love you but you, you know your your voice belongs yeah. there not here yeah. so but you know to your to your men's group and your and the people listening um, we grow up with the Norman Rockwell vision of the wife and husband and two children and maybe grandpa's there. And yeah. that's the way straight people literally live their lives, especially fundamentalist Christians. It's all about how we look and does it look right? Yes. And just the right components. And they live their whole freaking lives protecting that image. And I, I say that because I believe it. And you, you get out of Norman Rockwell picture and you don't know what to do. And there's not that nucleus and we don't have a role model for well, what do we do? And, you know, people don't think about, well, I like X, I like running, I like volleyball, I mm -hmm. like bridge or yeah. whatever. Well, go find a gay group that's doing it. And you know what, if there's not one freaking start one. Exactly. Yeah, no, it's interesting because my husband and I run, have ran up until just recently a meetup group here in San Luis Obispo. And we're always like, what would you guys like to do? And where would you like to go? And, you know, da, da, da. and of course then, you know, our lovely princess COVID shows up and that kind of yeah. brought everything to a halt. But prior to that, there was a guy that continued to put messages out. Is there anybody in the group that likes to knit? And we'd get the group together and there'd be, you know, somebody would inevitably bring that message up. And I finally said, you know what? He's looking for somebody who likes to knit. I'm sure in 300 people who belong to this group, there's somebody in this group. 
So good for him for having the balls to say, yep. this is something I like. Yep. And, and I kind of took everybody aback because I'm, I'm a pretty, everybody knows I'm a big energy, but when something like that shows up, there's the hypocrisy again. It's like, really, you think this is the only way to be gay? No, right. yeah, <laughs> there's yeah. lots of ways to be gay. And it's one of those things that I, I really bring up a lot in all these groups that I run and different things is, don't tell me you can't meet gay men. There are gay men who like to knit. There are gay men who like to play softball. There are gay men who like to do karaoke. There are gay men who like to go to the bathhouse and fuck like rabbits. There's lots of different ways to meet gay men. Yeah. The problem isn't the other gay men. The problem is you believing you can't find them because there's plenty of ways to do this. And therein lies the whole victim thing of, you know, I'm not straight, I'm gay, poor me. Mm -hmm. And therefore, therefore, X, 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 I mean, just a whole list of things um, that we allow ourselves to do that other people wouldn't do. They would never say, I can never meet anybody. Well, that really is your own problem. And actually, um, COVID has not been the worst thing in the world for this. Um, we, have, we have groups now that are Zooming, <clears throat> doing everything possible. You can't even imagine. Right. We, didn't have, we didn't have cooking classes with right. chorus members joining. We didn't have a meditation night with the chorus mm -hmm. members, but mm -hmm. Zoom is awesome. And the really interesting thing about meeting men is on Zoom is you get to look in their eyes and see their facial expression and listen to their voice. And sometimes in a, in a group of 10, um, you're not exactly yourself. You can be right. someone else, but right here, it's really hard to, to put on a facade because I see every facial expression you're giving me. Right. Yeah. And I think the interesting thing too, with these zoom calls and I've had some, so I, I started all these, right. Well, one was happening just as, COVID started, it had already been in existence, my coming out Zoom calls. But I'm like, you know what, let's let's do just a LGBTQ, like keep the community together, that sort of thing. Let's see what we can do. And then my 40 plus podcast, which is a separate podcast, I started doing a Zoom, like let's just, us 40 plus guys, let's get together and chat. How are we feeling? What's going on? All this sort of stuff. And the interesting thing that I've seen most about the Zoom calls is every one of them shows the vulnerability of men mm -hmm. oh yeah it opens up to that vulnerability it's like okay i love the medium because you know i can there's a little bit of distance here most people are not anywhere close i mean i think the closest guys may be a couple of guys from my own hometown here that show up for them but everybody else is spread out sure but the beauty of as you said being able to like see i <laughs> You're not always going to get to look at each other in the face like this if you're in a noisy bar and the music's blaring and it's dark and, you know, all that sort of stuff. And I think it's a, it has given us a space of waking up to a new level of awareness, of consciousness, right. of connection, even though that connection is now from a distance. Now, for me, this is no big thing because I've been working from home, doing my thing since 2003. So this kind of interaction is kind of my life. But it's also made me hyper aware of how others see the world when this is really new and scary to them. Sure, absolutely. But it's also such a beautiful place to create connection. Right. The other really great thing I have found, because I, I work really hard to know all my singers' names, or in or in a group, in a men's group, when mm -hmm. you come together, like even an AA group or whatever, and you don't have name tags, and you're like, oh, I know his name, I know his name, but... I should know his name and you just don't right and zoom you just move your mouse 
and oh my gosh, that's Rick. Right, exactly. And I sure thought his name was Jim. Right. So, Most of <laughs> the time that works, unless they put something else in there. I, I, was, I was on a call the other night, and one of the guys that was on, he, I, and I know him because he shows up all the time, and I'm like, his name's not Trevor. I know his name's right? not Trevor. And I said, I said, um, Jake, I said, are you using somebody else's computer tonight? Because my son was on, he was doing homework and I didn't have time to get it off. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. You know, it's oh like, such, such an I, interesting I, thing. I thought he like woke up at a trick's house. And had yeah, exactly. It. it was like, okay, I'm going to call in for this. So, yeah. um, so real quick before we wrap it up, I love yeah. the book, Tell It to Tim's Big Old Baptist, Big Old Gay. What would you like most for somebody who reads the book to take away for them in their lives? Uh, the, the overriding message is that I didn't know until I really looked back um, is it doesn't matter how hard they knock you down. It, uh, it just doesn't matter. Uh, it, you either find the wherewithal to shake the dirt off and get back up or make sure that you have people in your life that will help you up out of that dirty mess that you've made. And it has been key for me in so many ways. I I didn't have a chance to say that I was already conducting gay choruses and I was an AIDS activist and um, had the documentary made about AIDS in our choir when I zero converted. And so the harder coming out for me was telling my family and my entire uh, sphere that I was HIV positive. Mm. I mean, it's, and I know my kids were like, really dad? Hi, I mean, yeah, I felt like the much, much, much bigger failure at that coming out than I did uh, when I came out as, as a gay. And um, and you will get through it. And um, there will be angels, not the real angels with wings, but angels watching you and lifting you and carrying you. And just know that on the other side of coming out is something so wonderful that you never imagined. I agree a hundred percent. You know, it's interesting that you brought that up about <clears throat> telling your kids about being HIV positive. I, I thought nothing could be harder than, and my, my kids were little, so 18 months and four and a half. So not, I thought nothing was harder than saying mommy and daddy are getting a divorce. 18 month old had no clue. Right. But my, I still, I, every time I see my 25 year old now, there's just moments that she'll look at me a certain way. And I just, oof, you know, I just feel the feels around that. And she loves me. I mean, they're, they are great girls. They just totally like, they like, don't mess with my dads. Right. Good. I thought nothing was harder until the day I had to call them and say, I had a stroke. It was like so painful wow. because it brings reality to your kids. And, you know, as you were sharing that, Tim, I, I know they got that piece, but there's like, we, we put a little nail in our, Hey, dad's not going to be here forever. Kind of coffin, right. you know, it makes, it makes them see that. Yeah. And if nothing else that anybody listened to this, cause this has been a great podcast. There's something I think a lot of us miss is unfortunately when we say, I'm gay or lesbian or bi or trans or whatever, all the beautiful things that we are in our community. For whatever reason, a lot of times the people who receive that information, they take it as a death sentence. 
Right. They see it as you're going to hell. That you're going to sure. get you're going to get HIV AIDS and die. You're yeah. going to, you know, be, you know, beaten and battered. Yeah. You know, and so sometimes just having that empathy of for them, that's how they see it. Or the other thing too that I've worked a ton with people on is the death of who they saw you as just happened. Absolutely. And there's a new rebirth that they've got to now try to figure out in their own heads how they want to be there with you in that. Yeah. And it's really easy for us to go, I'm out, I'm proud and cool. And sometimes you have to take the little bit of the breath and go, let them have their space. And then if they don't get over it, that's their shit. It has nothing to do with us, but, but it's a, it's such an interesting space to play in. So the reason I wrote the book um, is that I was really brought to my knees two years ago when my daughter died, one of my two children, and um, way too young. And uh, she had she had been by my side, like your daughters. She had just been the greatest comfort, even when I lost my son for a long, long time. And her sudden death made me take uh, sit back and take stock, slow down. I took a sabbatical from work and began to write. And that's how um, Tale of Two Tims came to fruition. I don't know mm. that I would ever have, to, I would have eventually taken the time to sit down, but this one knocked me down. Yeah. And so I just had to write. And um, I, I wrote openly and vulnerable, vulnerably uh, throughout the book about uh, growing up Baptist and what that was like. and. Um, and my experiences. And then I wrote a lot about how it's been on the other side. Obviously the life divided almost in half. But it is so amazingly wonderful and freeing and peaceful on the other side. Yeah. In so many ways. It is. Yeah, it does. I I don't think Tim and I, either one are gonna say it's a piece of cake. It's definitely not, you know, it's not a cake walk, but it's, there's something about it that you start to look at your life in a completely different lens of somebody said to me once, like, so what do you feel like the thing you've learned most about coming out? And I said, I, I'd hate to say invincible, but I know this, I can kind of kick ass and do anything now. Yeah, right. That's just really how I feel. And, I, and yes, I know in a, like 30 minutes, the shit will hit the fan and I'll be like, ah, fuck it. You know, but I know I will always be able to rise to the occasion. Yeah, at least for now. And I don't need ED yet, but someday I probably will. But, you know, I literally feel like this process has given me the true insight of what that phrase means to rise to the occasion. Because I never lose faith in myself now. I may question it, but I really don't lose faith in getting through it. So it's awesome. Been awesome to talk to you, Tim. Great. Thank you so much. It's just been so much fun having you on the podcast and anybody who would like a copy of Tim's book, we're going to have everywhere to connect with him, everywhere to find the book. In fact, if you send me an email to rick at rickclemens.com and say that you want the book, I will ensure that you get the book delivered to you on my dime just because I like sharing authors and making sure that everybody gets a piece of a really great conversation and a really great author. So thanks so much for being here, my friend. My, My joy. Thank you. Hey, 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 Life Uncloseted family, another episode of Life Uncloseted has come to an end and it is time for all of us 
to sashay away and go face our fears, make those bold moves, and stand up to living our life without apology. But before you do, I've got a favor to ask of you. Would you hop over to iTunes or Spotify or Podbean or wherever it is that you're listening to this and just give us a little bit of love if you like what we're doing here at Life on Closet. Here's what it does. It helps other people find the show. It helps other people get to know what we're all about. And you just might help change life. In fact, if you really want to change a life, we'd love it if you just ask a friend to take a listen and see what they think. So that's it. Love you all deeply. I'm Rick Clemens, the host of Life Uncloseted. And never stop stepping out, stepping up, and stepping into living your life uncloseted. <laughs>